Listening to your community spirit on your community radio. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are going to read about how hot February was, even though February weather is finally kicking in for a little bit. First, Trump's EPA halts request for methane information from oil and gas producers. So they're requesting, like, hot gases? Yeah, well, they're requesting the information, and it's... <laughs> yeah. In a strong signal of its retreat from climate change action, the Trump administration on Thursday halted an effort to gather data from the oil and gas industry that is needed to rein in leaks of methane, a potent, proven... I'm throwing an editorial in there. Proven greenhouse gas. More than 15,000 owners and operators of oil and gas production or processing facilities have been required to submit information on their equipment and operations to the Environmental Protection Agency under an order finalized by the Obama administration in November. With the first deadline of early January already passed and another submission due in May, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt announced he was withdrawing that request effective immediately. The Obama administration had called the survey a critical step. Now, wait a second. It was a critical step that we'll implement at the last moment when we leave office. <laughs> yeah. I'm not letting them off the hook. Yeah, they don't get off the hook either. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's in quote, a critical step, but they implemented it in November at the end of eight years in office. Yeah. Okay. They're like, oh, wait a minute, we were supposed to do stuff. Yeah, this is here. a critical step. In its effort to control methane, the main component of natural gas, emissions of the odorless, colorless gas have proven nearly impossible to measure at 700,000 well sites and thousands of pipelines and facilities across the country. Although technology for controlling those emissions is readily available for oil and gas operations, industry has, guess what, resisted. <laughs> Getting the exact numbers is, is particularly critical to understanding whether the nation's fracking boom will accelerate or will help halt or stall global warming. Although gas-fired power plants release half as much carbon dioxide as coal plants, the extraction, production, and transport of natural gas 
natural gas just sounds so natural yeah. and nice, you know. Yeah, we need another term for just like methane. Or, yeah, yeah, it releases unknown amounts of methane, and that's one of the most potent um, greenhouse gases. Yeah. So, last May, the EPA finalized rules for methane at new oil and gas operations, not existing ones, new ones, and at the same time issued a first draft of a request to collect information from the industry on existing facilities, which is a massive task because there's 15,000 of them. But apparently it's not a massive task to like actually test every car that's on the road to meet certain standards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, in certain areas, I mean, if you're in um let's see, I'm trying to think of a town, Asheville, North Carolina. They have a higher pollution there because there's no the pollution the wind blows in from the coast oh, yeah. and backs all the pollution from all the east coast against the mountains. Mm -hmm. So the people who live there they have higher standards for pollution there. Yeah. And so all the cars have to be tested. You can't have a high pollutant car. And they have rebates for electric cars and hybrids and stuff. And so you know in St. Louis you have to have your car tested. So it's okay. They can test that, but they can't test 15,000. Anyway, I went yeah. off on a little tangent there. <laughs> well, that's the just like, it, it says it's a massive task, but it's not a massive... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's because they, uh, you know, the individual tax payers aren't able to resist as much, uh, whereas the company resists the testing and says, oh, we don't want to test. And they say, well, okay. Now, un under the Clean Air Act, the EPA does have such an authority, and they actually have... Penalties of nearly $100,000 a day are possible for those who fail to comply. Then EPA Administrator Gina McCarthy noted that there were hundreds of thousands of small sources of leaks, including pumps, storage tanks, and processes that the agency didn't know existed. Quote, EPA is learning this industry right now. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this is like, okay. They thought... It's uh, sort of ironic, you know, they're finally getting around to learning the industry and trying to track all of this, and then it's too late. Now the new EPA guy says he will assess whether information is even needed. <laughs> Pruitt acted one day after receiving a letter from nine state attorneys generals and governors of Mississippi and Kentucky expressing concern about the burden posed by the data gathering. Quote, by taking this step, EPA is signaling that we will take these concerns seriously and are committed to strengthen our partnership with the states, end quote, he said in a statement. Yeah. Not our partnership with, like, you know, helping people, yeah. but helping the states. And he, he takes the burden on the corporations very seriously, but he doesn't take the burden of climate change on all of us very seriously. Well, he just, this didn't make it into our news, but he was just famously... Uh, saying that he's not convinced that CO2 is a major factor in global warming. <laughs> and he's the head of the EPA. Now, as Oklahoma Attorney General and a leader in the Republican Attorneys General Association, Prout was critical of the EPA's actions on methane, submitting a letter in 2011 accusing the agency of overstating methane pollution from oil and gas operations in his state. A 2014 
Pulitzer Prize winning series in the New York Times documented how the letter actually had been ret- written by lawyers for Devon Energy, one of Pruitt's campaign donors. Yeah, so he took a letter from one of his fossil fuel donors and he sort of passed it off as his own. Well, I I can't say, I, like recently someone asked me to uh, write a letter recommendation and I was like, I don't have the time, you write it, you write it I'll edit it and it. put my yeah. name on it. So. Yeah. That's a little different, though. I mean, it's the same. I mean, you're using someone else's writing, but uh, it's a bit smaller of a scale than what he was doing. Uh huh. It's just like, quote, this is precisely the kind of cozy collaboration with the worst actors in the oil and gas industry that Dog Pruitt, through his controversial confirmation process, end quote, said Mark Brownstein, vice president for climate and energy programs at the Environmental Defense Fund. If the EPA is going to run away from collecting even the most basic information about oil and gas operation, what does that say about its dedication to protecting air quality and water quality, end quote? They're the Environmental Protection Agency, not the Business Protection Agency. Yeah. Well, that's part of what gets me about it is this isn't even an issue of how exactly are we going to regulate these emissions. It's an issue of will we even know the data? Will we even know just how bad the leaks are? And apparently not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's uh, not collect any information, then we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that sounds you know, like that sounds like a top-notch plan. Yeah, if you do that, hey, you know, if you don't read, if you don't learn, you don't have to worry about things. Yeah, if you don't know, it must not be <laughs> happening. Right? Oh, that makes Fidelia sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into this other news story here. Let's talk about the weather. The weather. February's warmth brought to you by climate change. A bonanza of heat records fell throughout February in almost all quarters of the U.S., and research released on Wednesday shows that the pervasive spring-like warmth was made possible by climate change. Now, we we talked about last week this story, but we talked about the difference between attribution, uh, you know, whether, whether or not it's happening versus attribution. So this new report that has been released is about attribution, and they are attributing it to climate change. Uh, the rise in planetary heat made the freakishly warm February at least three times more likely than it was around 120 years ago, according to an analysis by scientists working on the World Weather Attribution Team. So that's one of the ways that they can do attribution for things like this, is you can't necessarily say, was this event or was it not caused by climate change? But you can say, well, an event like this is three times more likely. <laughs> so, uh, well, it was three times more hot. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe that's just a simple correlation, you know. Um, it was, according to um, a report I read this morning, five degrees hotter on average in February than it has been in the past. Yeah. And that's the average. If you notice, there was this temperature extremes happening and it's happening this week you know 71 degrees yesterday and it's supposed to be 28 degrees tonight and so um climate change is just normal weather to the extreme so we should just start calling it extreme weather and then people will like want to get into it like like this extreme weather you know yeah, I don't know. Well, as long as they don't get so excited about it that they perpetuate global warming. <laughs> They'll say, oh, we'll keep emitting because we like the extreme weather. But unfortunately, it has some consequences. 
Well, like here in the region, I haven't heard yet if what people's thoughts are on if the frost is going to be enough to damage the crops, you know, like the big thing that happened with the peaches a couple of years ago. Yeah, all the peaches have bloomed, and if they, if they get f- big frost... Now, I'm trying to remember, I did... S- I, I was involved with some um, orchard when I was a kid, and we put these smoke pots under the trees, and it was just these little smoldering smoke things, and the idea was it just warmed up like two degrees or something, the tree itself, and then it didn't freeze. But that'd be kind of hard to do for a whole orchard. Yeah. Well, people may have to start doing more solutions like that as climate change progresses. But as you say, if you have a, a small personal orchard with just a few trees, that works. But doing it for a big orchard becomes more complicated. Now, if you actually look at the trends, February temperatures in particular have risen by third degree Fahrenheit since 1895 which is roughly twice as fast as the global average. Yeah. And so February will soon no longer be winter. If the world continues on the current pace of greenhouse gas emissions, this type of February could become the norm by 2050. So by the time Bedelia, my daughter, is my age, that this February will just be what it always is like. <laughs> so there are consequences to our greenhouse gas emissions consequences i say huh. okay so another news oceans are about to turn into a frothing cauldron of death <laughs> you said that so calmly yeah not at all a melodramatic title uh, let's see. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. oceans are about to turn into frothing cauldron of death Ta-da. that's one of the f- fun things about <laughs> gris.org <laughs> just like yeah. That's it. We're done with that we're story. Done. That's it. That's the whole story. Yeah. No, but like, over at Grist, uh, we get some of our stories from them, and they try to add a little bit of sort of humor, sometimes dark humor, uh, to their titles. Do you remember our um, what do you call it? Our slogan, our motto, or whatever you call it for our radio show? Yeah, it was based on their slogan. It it's was, uh, gloom. Let's see, gloom and doom with enough sense of humor to slather your brain. Yeah, we forget to say that sometime. Hmm. Doom and gloom. To slather your brain, my friend. Slather your brain. Yes. So here's the latest thing to slather your brain. Under the influence of climate change, huge patches of of ocean will grow hot, acidic, and barren in coming decades, according to new projections published in Nature Communications. If life goes on as usual, climate change will disrupt more than half of the world's ocean habitat in the next 15 years and 86% by 2050. 2050 seems really far away, but, you know, it's just over 30 years. Yeah. I, I might even live that long. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. That's why I sometimes put it in terms of my daughter's age, because, you know, to me it seems a little distant, but to her, that's, she'll be a full-grown adult then. It'll be her, her, her new normal. So this change will mean more coral deaths and more extinctions. It also threatens the fish the primary source of protein for about a billion people. How many? A billion. Yeah, that's not million with an M, it's billion with a B. What do we how many billion do we have? It's like about seven billion. Yeah. So, so one one out of seven people, their major source of protein being fish, and they will be affected by this. Some fish are already moving, searching out cooler waters. According to the study, action to curb climate change could reduce the impact of this slow motion crash drastically. 
but we'd still be looking at damage to 34% of the Earth's oceans within the next 15 years. What, what I'm worried really about the ocean, if it warms up, that, you know, loop of water that flows through the there yeah. will quit operating. Yeah, That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, and if that happens, there'll be a lot of climate consequences to that. I mean... Because they have the thermal loop, one, you know, one, one's, it's warmer on the top, cooler on the bottom, and it creates this loop of water that, you know, transfers and keeps, well, I mean, it keeps England warmer than it should. Cause yeah, England's if you like the east coast of the U.S. and England, uh, <laughs> then those climates will change pretty significantly if that happens. Yeah. And all sorts of other things will happen, so... There's been some debate about how likely that is to happen, but there's some evidence that it, it may be starting to. So uh, they're thinking it's more likely than they used to, but it's still uncertain. Uncertain. Yeah. That's part of what's strange about the whole climate change thing. We're doing sort of a global experiment without a control group. We're just messing with it and seeing what happens. I don't know. Maybe we should check Mars. Mars might have been the control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like Maybe Mars has been through all this. Well, I sometimes wonder about Venus. Venus has a ton of greenhouse gases. It's like hundreds of degrees hotter than us on the surface. So maybe they had an industrial civilization and they released all this methane, just like we're doing. <laughs> there you go. In kind of better, gooder, much more incredible news, yes, California just hit an incredible solar power milestone. California Governor Jerry Brown recently took a shot at Secretary of Energy Rick Perry, a former Republican governor of Texas. Remarking on Perry's view of Texas as an energy powerhouse, Brown said, quote, We've got more sun than you've got oil. End quote. Recent data shows California coming through. Recently, the state briefly generated enough solar power to meet nearly half of the state's electric needs, according to data from the largest grid operator in the state, California ISO. Around midday on Friday, demand reached around 29 gigawatts. I like saying gigawatts, I don't gigawatts. know. While solar was providing nearly 14 gigawatts, some 9 gigawatts from utility scale and another 5 gigawatts or so from rooftops and parking lot canopies around the state. Now this is a big deal because locally, a co-op just basically got rid of their solar program if they hit 1%. They said, we'll do net metering, which means if, if you do a one-to-one -one with them yeah. until it hits 1%, and then they can eliminate the program. Mm -hmm. So they just, I mean, what, the 22nd of February, uh, Tri-County Co-op just announced that... Um, that's what they're going to do. And so that doesn't mean they will because the co-op is owned by the people. And the people can, you know, say no. Yeah, people but, can ask for change. Right. Um, I still think 1% will take a long time to happen in our area. Mm. But California, they hit 50%. Yeah. And that's impressive, you know, because California has a lot of energy consumption just between the number of people they have and the uh, the infrastructure, the lifestyles out there, they consume a fair amount of energy. So for them to be able to do 50% of theirs, even for a little while, is a good sign of things to come. So let's see what some of these holidays we've got coming up are. 
We have middle name Pride Day. Do you want to admit what your middle name used to be? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can admit that. It used I to be Patrick. I don't know. Like, I keep my middle name pretty much a secret. Yeah. I mean, there's like a few people who know what my middle name is. I'm very prideful of it, <laughs> but I just don't tell people. Yeah. Which I'm still not doing now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've managed to not do that. Saturday. Yeah, to not let it slip. <laughs> so Saturday. My, my full name means light of God. Yeah. So my middle that, name is a derivative of God. Yeah. And so I don't so want to. So that's your clue. <laughs> don't want to tell people I am God. So <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. So you go with just the light part. Yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> Yeah. Um, there was actually about a year when I was 15 that I was embarrassed to have such an unusual name. So, mm. um, and then I, ch you know, changed my name for like a year and a half. So, um, but I changed my name to Hazak, which is like my family's nickname for me. It means strong. Mm. So I still, <laughs> still I, I changed yeah. it to a name anyway. <laughs> yeah, just a different one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, had, I had a very. Very sort of usual name, Justin Patrick O'Neill. Uh, but then I changed it to Tree Song. Legally. Yeah, legally yeah. changed it. Yeah. So, um, do you do you get, um, do you still have problems? Is it like literally one word or is it two words? Like uh, it's one word. I do still have problems occasionally. Uh, once Social Security got it down as one word, that settled a lot of things. But, uh, you know, forums ask for two names and I have to put it twice, which is kind of silly. I get mail for tree song, tree song. <laughs> so you can't just fill in one? No, sometimes you can, some of these online forms. And then you have to be sure that it matches, like both of the places have you as tree song, tree song, otherwise they get confused. <laughs> the joy is that computers bring to our lives sometimes. It's just like, Saturday is Worship of Tools Day. So... I guess you could say a computer is a tool. Yeah. We do tend to, you know, bow down before it regularly if we don't. Sunday is Girl Scouts Day and Plant a Flower Day. I wonder if the tool library is doing anything special for the Worship a Tool Day. Huh. If not, maybe they can plan for that next year. Yeah, the tool lending library next door, they have some phenomenal tools there. Yeah, they just got in a tillard, I believe. Yeah. So let's see, also coming up, oh, National Pi Day. That's on 314 because of being the value of pi, which I only memorized down to how, as much as my calculator could display, so 3.14159926. Why? <laughs> uh, just because I wanted <laughs> to. Like I was a math team person, so. Oh, okay, well. I was tempted to memorize like hundreds of digits, but I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be more arrogant than my calculator. <laughs> um, Wednesday is dumbstruck day, so. And everything you think is wrong day. Thursday is everything you do is right day. So after everything is wrong day, there's everything yeah. is right day. Freedom of Information Day and Incredible Kid Day. And March has a few things. March is Irish American Month, Music in Our School Month, National Craft Month, National Frozen Food Month, National Nutrition Month, National Women's History Month, Red Cross Month, and Social Workers Month. In Happenings, Standing Rock Native Nations March today, Friday, March 10th, from 4 to 5.30 at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. 
At 4 o'clock, there will be a rally at the Town Square Pavilion with music. And then at 4.30, the march leaves the pavilion. And then 5 to 7.30, there will be a fundraiser at Carbondale Community Arts. Water is life. Stand with StainingRock.net for more information. Of course, the Winter Farmer's Market is doing a really good job of providing veggies and humanely raised meats, eggs, fresh baked goods. Every Saturday, 9 till noon, inside the Carbondale Community High School. So far, since I've been... I don't think I've actually made it except once this year because every Saturday I've been out of the country or busy teaching a class or um, tomorrow I'm I'm doing a retreat for Friends of the Shawnee Forest. So um, please go to the farmer's market and get some veggies for me because I need them. The Varsity Center, Center Comedy Fundraiser. Before the Floor, Saturday, there's two shows, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. The Varsity Center is making progress on building renovations that will allow more access to and usage of the multi-theater facility located in downtown Carbondale. In conjunction with a local performing group, the Carbondale Comedians, the Varsity Center is hosting a stand-up comedy fundraiser. Funds raised by this varsity center comedy fundraiser before the floor will be used to repair the stage in the balcony theater again show times are 7 and 9 p.m more information or if you buy your tickets ahead of time they're cheaper varsitycomedy.eventbrite.com or it's five dollars more at the door continuing the conversation tuesdays 7 to 9 p.m. at the Newman Center, 715 South Washington Street. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for continuing the conversation. The purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. As we listen to one another, we will be building a community, I guess you could say a community, that strengthens our understanding and compassion for one another. This event is organized by the Race Unity Group of Carbondale. All right, also coming up, we have the third annual Girls Rock Gala. This is coming up not this Friday, but next Friday, March 17th, at 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. over at Hangar 9. This year's Girls Rock Gala features a karaoke competition from 10 to 12, and a silent art merch auction from 9 to 12. And this is a, this is a great program where they, uh, you know, they teach girls how to do rock music, and it's a really, really great program. So I'm glad to see this going on again this year. For more information on it, you can go to Girls Rock Carbondale, and it's the Girls Rock Gala. And if we're talking about um, Save the Date... Save the date for the first day of spring, March 20th, for AS Solar's Ribbon Cutting and Open House. Solar, food, giveaways, wine, three chambers of commerce getting together. 
Um, and I just found out that that day is also International Day of Happiness. Oh, yeah. So there you so go. So I just happened to be having an open house on, for solar energy on International Day of Happiness. Yeah. I'm so happy. It's <laughs> just so like, be, I'm happy. There will be happiness. There will be sunshine. It's <laughs> just like, well, there will at least be solar systems. Yeah. I can't guarantee be, sunshine. It could be cloudy, but we'll see. It's like... So, yeah, we've got two solar systems on the building so far. So Yeah, and even if it's cloudy, they'll get a little bit of power. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so you have been listening to Your Community Spirit. I forgot to do our promo. I just went right into it. Yeah, you were so excited about today's news and happenings. We actually started this radio show back in 99, and our theme song was The End of the World as We Know It because it was Y2K. And so it's like, are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. If you would like to contact us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the little bit of winter. Because we need it to kill all those bugs. Yeah. Winter is coming. Da-da-da-da.